Hey guys, I know you've been hearing a lot of fancy ads from me about my new self-care keto holiday guide, but today I just wanted to speak from the heart for a minute. I wrote this holiday guide for you because I don't want you to have the typical stressed out day of thinking of everyone else but yourself. I loved holidays so much as a kid, but man, I had no idea how much work my mom and aunts must have done. Now I know. There's been a lot of holidays that I just honestly didn't look forward to because of all the stress there is to do and the fear about food and weight gain, and that makes me sad. It makes me sad to think that that might be you too. Things have really changed for me around the holidays. Yes, of course, I do get a bit stressed when I'm trying to cook multiple dishes and be somewhere at a certain time, but honestly, I do not overcommit like I used to. And now I also have a lot better tools to deal with that stress. I don't fear food and weight gain anymore. I don't feel like I have to choose between feeling deprived or feeling guilty afterwards. I want this for you too. I want you to look forward to the holiday. I want you to think about what you want it to be and make it happen. It's your holiday too. You deserve to enjoy it. You don't have to eat keto on every holiday. That's not what this guide is about. It's about practicing self-care through your food even on a holiday. And for you, that could look like eating something sugary. I want you to enjoy the heck out of it without any drama and then just get right back to your life the next day. And if you want to avoid the sugar and carbs even on the holidays, you can do that too. There are so many delicious ways to have a keto or low carb holiday without feeling deprived. This guide helps with all of this. It's mindset and strategy. That's what I'm always all about. Have you been curious about the self-care keto holiday guide? Here's what people are saying. I absolutely loved the holiday guide and how much it emphasized being in control of the food, that I am in control and I get to choose. I've decided I'm gonna stay keto for the most part, but I'm going to fully enjoy a piece of sweet potato pie. I'm gonna make the keto crab cake stuffed mushrooms and not even tell anybody that it's keto, so I'm really curious and excited to see their reactions. I loved the idea to use the sample plate method and I think that's gonna be a huge help to me. I was really surprised that you included a section about processing my fear of what others will think of how I eat. I was also surprised that you had sections about emotional eating at the holidays and how to get back on track after a holiday. These were so on point for me. The tools about how to make decisions ahead of time, even when I'm going somewhere else for a holiday, were so helpful, and I can even apply this to my workplace holiday party. This was so enlightening to me about my mindset about the holidays, and I'm actually feeling excited instead of stressed to go into the next holiday now. This holiday guide is such a treasure. Guys, I hope that you will check out my new self-care keto holiday guide at theketofit.com slash holiday. You can instantly download it today for just $19. Hey, Jess, welcome back to the podcast. So happy to have you here again. We're going to be talking mindset today. So I feel like on the podcast, we haven't touched on that subject a whole lot. So we're really excited to have you back here. Thank you. I'm so excited to be back with you as well. Yeah. Thanks. Yes. And anybody who wants to know more about Jess's story, her, you know, how she got into this space, please go back and listen to the first episode that we had with Jess. So yeah, we'll talk all about mindset today. So first, Jess, tell us what's going on in your, in your world and in your business real quick. And then we'll hop right into a couple of topics that we would like to discuss about mindset today. Yes. Oh, well, everything's going great in my world. My daughter's in kindergarten this year, and I can't believe she's going to be graduating from kindergarten and like time just flies so fast. I'm excited for daylight savings time and 
Business is good. I was just telling you before we started recording that I'm loving working with clients one-on-one. That's really like my sweet spot and what absolutely just fills me up. But I am doing something new as well, which is to offer a monthly mindset class for people who um, are maybe just like, I don't really know you yet. I'm not quite ready to sign up for one-on-one, but what are you all about? So I do a monthly mindset class. We have a different topic every single month. And this month, actually, it is about how to overcome self-sabotage by rewiring the beliefs that are holding you back. And so I'll give some information at the end for how people can, um, you know, sign up for that. But that's kind of on the topic of what we're going to talk about today to dig into some of that stuff. Yeah. So we'll link all of Jess's information down in the show notes and how you can enroll in the classes and all of that. So perfect. Um, So I know you work with clients on changing mindsets and beliefs when it comes to health and weight loss. What do you find are some of the most common beliefs that you find are holding people back? Because sometimes people have all the knowledge in the world, you know, they might know more than you and I about nutrition and health and what they should be doing, what they shouldn't be doing, exercise, all of that stuff, but it's more the mindset piece that's holding them back. So what do you feel are some of the most common beliefs that are really just, you know, kind of getting people stuck in their health journey? Yeah, totally. And I know we work with like a similar clientele. We have a similar focus and overlap, but I say I help people lose weight with a keto diet and a self-care mindset. So I'm actually more heavily trained as a life coach than I am in nutrition training. And so um, I really appreciate that we just have so much, you know, love and respect for one another because we have different niches and different backgrounds. Um, So I do focus, I, I have some nutrition training, but I focus most heavily on mindset stuff with people because I do find the majority of the people, at least that are drawn to me, it's not a matter of that they don't know what to eat, right? It's it's not that they don't know what to do. It's just that they lack the motivation to do it because we become our own biggest enemy, right? We become our own biggest obstacle. And usually it's the beliefs that are holding us back. So most people, when they're trying to make a change in their life, they only focus on kind of like the outermost layers of the onion, right? So we're, we're very layered as individuals. So we want different results. Um, the outermost layer of our life, look around, you see the results in your life, right? And so the layer right below that is your behavior. And so you think, well, I just need to change my behavior to get different results. Yes, that's absolutely true. But we forget that there's so many layers below that. So what's influencing our behavior? Well, it's our thoughts and our feelings. What's influencing those is our beliefs at the core of who we are. And so ultimately, in the long run, um, we can Um, manipulate our behaviors through willpower and white knuckling it for a limited amount of time. And eventually our willpower runs out or life smacks us upside the head and we default to survival mode and just go on autopilot to whatever our habits are. Um, And so that what's running the show, like in our subconscious and just our habitual default state, it's our beliefs, right? And so if we want to change our behavior long-term, if we want our behavior to flow with ease, effortlessly, that it just feels enjoyable and easy. We actually need to get all the way down to the layer of our beliefs. So beliefs is something that I explore with my clients a lot, and we call them limiting beliefs in the life coaching world. Like these are things that are holding you back and you don't necessarily realize it, but when you have somebody actually taking the time to listen to you, it is just spewing out of your mouth and you don't even necessarily hear it until you start saying it out loud, right? And so your question was, what are some of the most common beliefs that I see holding people back? Yes. So I hear these things all the time. Um, I'll never lose weight. No matter what I do, I'll never lose weight. Um, It doesn't even matter. Forget it. It's not even that important to me. I'm just going to forget about it. I'll just learn to be happy and I'll just settle. You know, it's not worth it. Um, 
look around at the people in my family, my DNA is stacked against me. Like my DNA determines my destiny. Um, I'm just broken. I'm just a screwed up person. I've got too many, I have too much baggage in my past. Like I just can't, no matter what, I'm just a broken person or my body is fighting me. Um, no matter what I do, it's like my body is just fighting against me. I'm doing all the right things. I just don't understand it. My body is like my enemy. Um, where's my motivation? What's wrong with me? Um, why am I so good at showing up for other people, but I can't show up for myself. So why is it so hard? That's another one that I hear all the time. Why does this have to be so hard? Um, and then the one that I told you that I wanted to focus on today, I hear this all the time. Why can't I just eat normal and be skinny like everyone else? <laughs> it's not fair. Right. And so that's the one that I find, um, first of all, is completely not even true, right? Like how do you move through a belief? Like I, we can talk about that, but like taking, taking through the process today of like, let's actually dismantle that and try to overcome that belief because it is, um, creating your reality, whatever question you ask your brain, your brain's going to give you an answer for it. And so we need to ask ourselves better questions and we can create a different reality for ourselves by choosing intentional thoughts. And we can actually rewire the beliefs that are holding us back. Um, most of us, it's not like we chose those beliefs. They were conditioned into us from the time that we were very small. And so with so much self-compassion for anybody that's listening right now, like it's not your fault that you have all of these beliefs in your head. You absorbed them. It's the air that we breathe. It's like a toxic culture around us, kind of much like what we've been talking about with like racism, thankfully over the past several years, like it's the air that you breathe. You don't even realize how insepid it is. It just seeps into you without you even being aware. And it's the same thing with this diet culture mentality. Sure. I, I was going to, I have a lot uh, or a couple of the same ones that you mentioned that yeah. I hear from clients a lot. Like you said, you do more of the mindset. I'm more of the, I really don't know what to eat. Like there mm -hmm. are so many conflicting viewpoints, this magazine or article or online person or influencer is telling me this, and this one's mm -hmm. telling me that. And it's like, I, I truly just don't know at this point. So that's, that's more of, of my clientele and very metabolically sick. That's more yeah. my clientele, like obesity, um, metabolic disease, diabetes, pre-diabetes where we can reverse that. But some of those same thought patterns I see over and over and over. And like you mentioned, the one that the two that I see the most is I'm born this way. So mm -hmm. like you said, I think that message has just been out there for so long. It's like, oh, well, my parents had diabetes my parents had heart disease. My parents had this, or all my siblings are overweight. Yeah. That's just how I am. You know, that's uh -huh. my genetic code. And I've talked about this several times on the podcast. I'm the only average healthy size person in my immediate family. Like I am too. Yeah. And, um, very clearly, like if you look at a picture of my parents and my sisters, like I'm the only one who is of a healthy weight there. Not that my sisters don't try or want, mm -hmm. want to be healthier. It's just, and I've had, it's interesting because I've had family members, friends, like what's the difference? Like how come you are how you are and, and other family members are how they are. And it's like, yeah. well, I have a different mindset. Number one. And my day to day is very different. Mm. 
the fuel that I use is different. <laughs> you know, my approach to life is different. Um, so it's, it's, it's a lot of things, but yeah, I hear that a lot. I'm born this way and yes, um, genetics play a role, but it's 70% lifestyle and how you're going to turn mm -hmm. those, that genetic code on or off and maybe even higher than that. Um, right. but yeah, definitely we, we need to get past that and work through that. And then the other one that I had thought of that I hear from my clients a lot also is I'm broken. Like there's just mm. something wrong with me. It's like, no, you are not broken. The messaging and the education oh, yeah. you have been fed is broken yes. and outdated and not true. And yeah. if you, you, if you learn the correct messaging and education and get your mind right, you are not broken. Like the human body is meant to be healthy and thrive. It's not meant to be sick. It's not meant to be yeah. ill. It's not meant to be overweight. It's not meant to carry a hundred extra pounds. Like that's, that's not how we're designed. Um, yeah. so yes, yeah, so I definitely see those limiting beliefs in my clients as well. So, so very yeah. interesting. So yeah. how do you help clients overcome the beliefs that are holding them back, including, you know, the one that, that you mentioned to be kind of the, your top limiting belief that you see with your clientele? Yeah. So as I mentioned before, um, it's basically just asking yourself a better set of questions. Honestly, whatever you ask yourself, you're going to get an answer for. So if you ask yourself, what's wrong with me, your brain's going to give you a list of reasons of what's wrong with you, including whatever has been told to you. Like, Oh, you know, the one for me was like, I have a slow metabolism. Like mm -hmm. I grew up as an overweight child and I would ask like, why am I, why do I have a twin sister? We eat the same foods and I'm overweight and she's not. And I was just told, well, you have a slow metabolism. Like right. it's just genetic. Right. Um, so you'll get answers to the questions that you're asking yourself. If you ask yourself, what's wrong with me? If you ask yourself, why does this have to be so hard? Your brain's going to give you a whole list of reasons of why it's hard. Right. If you ask yourself, why is this not so this, why is this so unfair? Your brain's going to, you know, answer that for you. So a lot of times why questions can be really, really unhelpful. Um, same thing in personal conversation. Like I never, I very rarely start a question with any of my clients with the word why, because yeah. it instantly puts you on defense. A much better question is to start with what or how. So ask, instead of asking yourself, why is this so hard? You could say, oh, how can I make this easier? Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. same exact topic, totally much more productive, right? So self-inquiry and letting your brain go to work for you is really the way to move through some of those things. But it kind of starts with a fundamental belief um, or just a realization that you are not your thoughts. You are the compassionate, wise observer of your thoughts. You don't have to believe every thought that comes to your head. You don't have to be judgmental about every thought that comes into your head. You um, can't stop a bird from landing on your head, but you can stop it from building a nest there, right? So you can't necessarily control the first thought that pops into your head, but you do have some control over whether you're going to ruminate on that, whether you're going to rehearse that over and over again. So some beliefs are so deeply ingrained in us that maybe for the rest of your life, it might pop up. And that doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with you. One for me that has popped up all the time is I should have known better. Like that is such a big limiting belief for me. And even in a very recent thing that happened in my life, you know, this past February, okay, we're in March 15th, like literally like four or six weeks ago, had a situation in my life where um, something didn't work out. And I said to myself, I should have known better. But this time I was able to move through that so much more quickly because of the mindset skills that I've built up over time. In the past, that would have sent me spiraling for weeks at a time, right? And so 
I'm just sharing that to say, I didn't judge myself for having that thought. I didn't say, oh, none of, I haven't made any progress at all because that thought popped into my head. Sometimes it's just so deeply um, ingrained in you that it might pop up forever, but I've learned I'm not that thought. I'm the compassionate, wise observer of that thought. I don't have to believe that thought to be true and start to examine it and start to ask myself powerful questions. So I'm going to share four questions that I help my clients use to work through any kind of belief that they realize, oh, that is not helpful. Actually, like that is my inner jerk voice, my inner critic is so loud right now. This is not helpful. And I want to give credit to where credit is due. These are four questions that I got from Byron Katie, and she calls this the work. And so the first question to ask yourself is, is this true? And so I thought we could go through this belief together um, and to kind of examine, like, is this true? So the thought that I keep seeing come up with my clients and the belief that's holding them back is, why can't I just eat normal and be skinny like everyone else? So the first thing that I would ask them is, is that true? Okay. Is everybody else skinny? And is everybody else normal? Like, okay, no, not actually. Um, if we start to take a look at that. Yeah. In the mall for a few minutes. <laughs> yeah. So is that really true? That everybody else is just living this life of bliss, right. eating whatever it is that they want to eat? No, that's absolutely not true. Um, and so the second question is, can you absolutely know that it's true? So sometimes it will feel very true, whatever it is. You know, like my DNA is determining my destiny. Is that true? You might be like, yes, you know, and that's okay to answer yes to the first question. And then, you know, that's why you have the follow-up question. Can you absolutely know that it's true? Cause it's really trying to get you to examine and push a little bit past and really reconsider. Um, is this hundred percent true? Or is it just possibly, you know the only thing that I'm seeing in the moment but there might be evidence that that might not actually be true in all situations at all times. And maybe even for me right now. The third question is, how do I feel when I believe that that's true? How do I feel, think, and behave when I believe that that's true? So if I believe that everybody else can just eat whatever they want and be skinny, except for me, how do I think, feel, and believe? I feel like life sucks. Everything sucks. It's not fair. You know, um, there's something wrong with me. It's hopeless, um, depressed, angry, bitter, resentful, jealous, all sorts of things. How would you feel if you believed that to be true? What kind of feelings do you see coming up in your clients if they have that kind of mindset? Right, kind of the same thing. And I'm sure that they're, they ask themselves that like, why me, why me? And, I, and, and some of it is just, I love that first question. Like, mm -hmm. is this true? Like just stopping yourself there. And if I'm saying, if I have a client that says I'm broken, yeah. like my body's broken, like, is, is that true? Is it yeah. actually broken or are there toxins or lifestyle issues or other things holding you back yeah. that is, that are making you feel broken. Um, but yeah, how do I feel when I think that is true? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have so many clients who, who I think they just feel stuck, like of any, any other feeling, they're just feeling stuck. Like, I don't, I don't even know what to do from here because this has been so many decades and so long that I feel hopeless and I feel stuck. Um, so that's always one of the first things that we talk about and work mm -hmm. through 
with my one-on-one clients, it's like, you are not hopeless. Mm. You're not broken. Like if you can get those two notions out of your head, (laughs) we're going to go far and you're going to make a lot of progress. Um, but yeah, if you're thinking from the get-go, I'm just a broken person. I was born this way. This is just one more practitioner I'm going to fail with. Um, then yeah, then, then we're not going to get very far because the mindset's not right. So definitely see, see those things when we, when we're talking about these questions. Yeah. And it's so important to examine your beliefs because Um, your beliefs are creating your thoughts, your thoughts are creating your reality. And this sounds like woo woo stuff that I'm saying out loud, right? (laughs) But I just want to take a second to explain the scientific notion of this for people that are more like, okay, facts, please, (laughs) Sam, like science, please only, you know, like, so it's true. There is actually in neuroscience, they've located a specific region of the brain called the reticular activating system. They can identify it on the brain the same way that they can identify this is where your hearing takes place. This is where your memories are stored. Here's where emotions, amygdala, frontal cortex, everything. It's called the reticular activating system. And the reticular activating system is essentially your brain's filter. And what it does is it shows you to pay attention to relevant information. And it literally deletes out information that it deems to be irrelevant to you. So imagine, you know, through your five senses, if you were to actually process all of the stimuli that comes in through your five senses, it would be completely overwhelming. You know, our brains are very powerful, right? But our brains are also very efficient and they're wired for survival. And so your brain's going to pay attention to most importantly, the negative or the threatening things in the environment. And so our brains are kind of automatically set to look for the negative. That's not a bad thing. It's a survival mechanism. Um, We can influence our brain to show us what we want to see. This is called priming. And so think about when you want to buy a new car and you've decided I'm going to buy um, a, a red sedan. So you're looking up all the red sedans online, all of a sudden you're driving on the street and oh my gosh, there's so many red sedans on the road, right? Are there really more red sedans on the road now? Or was it just that your brain was filtering that out? Cause previously it was irrelevant to you. And now you've primed your brain saying, this is important information. So now you're seeing it for the very first time. So that's an example of how we can actually prime our reticular activating system. So this is important when it comes to beliefs. Because what's happening is our beliefs are our brain's filter. Our reticular activating system is saying, show me evidence of these beliefs being true because they're true and filter out things that contradict them. This is why people get so, um, you know, stuck in, uh, um, cemented in their belief systems, right? Where they literally cannot hear another perspective. They don't even want to hear another perspective because it feels completely threatening. And we just go into earmuff mode, especially at the Thanksgiving table, you know, about politics, religion, whatever. Like we just get so cemented into our beliefs. It's a survival mechanism. Your brain um, doesn't show you evidence contradicting your beliefs. So of course it makes sense that you believe what it is that you've been told that, you know, I have a slow metabolism. I have evidence to prove that to be true. Um, I fail every diet I ever try. Yes. My brain is giving me evidence that that is true. But what if you had a different belief? As soon as you ask yourself a question, wait, what if you didn't fail all the diets? What if the diets failed you? All of a sudden you're asking your brain a more powerful, effective, helpful question. And your brain will then start to search 
evidence of maybe that's true. Oh, maybe I didn't get the correct information. Maybe I was doing my best at every given point in my life with the information that I had at the time. Okay, great. How does that feel? How do you think, feel, and behave when you believe that to be true? So it's kind of making a big shift from true versus false to helpful versus harmful. How do you think, feel, and behave when you believe that to be true? Because beliefs are optional. You get to actually choose at a certain point in your life. Yes, you've inherited all these beliefs, but at a certain point in your life, you're an adult now. Like, do you want to hold on to these? And if so, why? Like, are they actually helping you or might they be harming you? And if they're harming you, what if you just let that go? What if you choose a belief that actually would help you? And this is called rewiring your brain. And your brain is, is plastic. It's called neuroplasticity. Up until probably the 1970s, we believed that our brains, like you couldn't really change them. Like in childhood, they were forming. But then once you get to be an adult, you can't really change them. Science has disproven that. You can actually change and rewire your brain at any point in your life, neuroplasticity. And that's incredible. Um, so there's so much hope that you really can change a belief. You can prime your reticular activating system to give you evidence of a new belief that's helpful to you. Yeah, that definitely gives people a lot of hope that, like you said, it's not just, I, I just, I'm at, I am who I am. Like there's, yeah. there's no way to change it. And we can, we can look at the calorie method for weight loss. That's like such a good example is mm -hmm. you probably thought I've tried so many methods for weight loss. I've tried all the programs that are out there. I've tried Jenny Craig. I've tried Weight Watchers. I've tried cabbage soup diet. Mm -hmm. I've tried you name it. I done, yeah. I've done it. But what those all have in common is that they're calorie reduction methods for weight loss. Well, like you said, all those methods are very similar. We just don't see it that way. We see it as we've tried all of them and they've all, we've failed them all. But like you said, it's like the program, the basis of that model is failing us. You're mm -hmm. not failing. It's the basis. It's the model that fails. Um, yes. so yeah, so turning that all around and turning a negative into a positive can really take you a long way. So I love that. Yeah. Did we get through the fourth question? I can't remember. Did we get through them all? The fourth question is, so the first one is, is it true? The second yeah. one is, can I absolutely know that it's true? The third yeah. one is how do I think, feel and behave when I believe this to be true? Yep. The fourth one is who would I be without this belief? Okay. How would I think, feel, and behave if I didn't believe that to be true? What would be different in my life if I released that belief? I love that. Yeah. And so what if you released the belief that everybody else can just eat normal and be skinny? Maybe you would, maybe you'd be open to re-examining what normal even is. Right. Maybe you'd be open to re-examining if skinny is even the goal, right? Like, so it kind of just opens up our brain to get out of that stuck place, right? We're just circling through the same spiral of negative, unhelpful thoughts, and we're not moving anywhere. What if you believe, what if you release the belief that your body is broken or that your body's fighting you? So if you can get to that place where you realize, oh, okay, well, yeah, if I didn't have that belief, actually, I probably would do behave much differently. I would be hopeful. I'd be willing to try one more thing. You know, I'd be willing to try something that I haven't tried before. Um, I would have a little bit more belief in myself. I'd have a little bit more compassion for myself. Um, I would believe that I'm just as worthy as anybody else is of, you know, whatever. I would forgive myself for past attempts that I thought were failures, whatever it might be. And so once you realize that there's so much hope and so much light and so much help on the other side of who you could be without that belief, then 
you want to practice a turnaround statement. Like try on the opposite of what it is that you believe. So if you think my body is fighting me, what if you believed my body is on my side? My body is healing me. My body is doing a good job. What if instead of my body is broken, it's no, the food system is broken. My body is perfect. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to, the, the environment is broken. Then you could change the environment and you wouldn't feel so stuck. So you could practice a turnaround statement. Um, you know, for this one, why, why um, can everybody just, out, why can everybody else eat normal and be skinny? If, except for me, it's so unfair. You know, what if the statement then is, um, you know, I do eat normal. Everybody else doesn't. That's right. kind of the opposite, right? Mm -hmm. And what if that's true? So we could start to examine that. And I think that's worth a little bit of a discussion point here. Like, and I want to, I wanted to hear from you too, because what even is eating normal? Have you ever had asked a client that question? Like, or what do you think the perception is when somebody says, why can't I just eat normal? What is it that they're actually, what do they think is normal? Right. And I think what a lot of people's perception of normal is that they can eat whatever they want, whatever they're feeling, whatever's available in the grocery store without any repercussions or side effects or getting ill because, you know, big food has failed us. 80% of the foods in the grocery store aren't even really foods, but the perception is that they're foods and that they're healthy and you know, at least most of them were, are perceived to be healthy and the healthy whole grains and the healthy cereals and the healthy breads and the whole grain, this and whole grain that. So our perception is that these foods are healthy, <laughs> but they're not. So like you said, it's, it's, it's changing that perception of what is normal, mm -hmm. normal food to me and normal eating to me is eating what God intended us to eat and what's here naturally. When you yeah. change the, the whole mindset of what's actually normal, it's kind of like you said, it's like, Hey, like there was nothing wrong with me. There was a lot wrong with this food. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think a lot of people's perception of normal eating is, is skewed. And like I said, they think they should, they think it's in the grocery store. It's in the aisles. You know, I've seen it marketed as this or that this, I should be able to eat this and my body shouldn't get sick or sh shouldn't get fat or overweight. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I just feel like the food industry has done people such a disservice because we don't trust our bodies. Our hormones are whacked out. We're insulin resistant. So we have not only just the mental part of it with, with the mental thought processes, processes and the mindset piece, but physically we are ill. And that drives our thought processes. It, it drives, you know, a, a healthier and unhealthy microbiome, which then, you know, is messing up our hormones, which mess up our thought process. And, you know, it's stemming back to the food and what is normal. And I think, you know, everybody's perception is a little different. Like what's normal to you is completely abnormal to me. Um, but I do talk about this in a lot of podcasts with kids, especially kids perception of what foods are healthy and normal is so unrealistic. Like they mm -hmm. think all the processed foods are normal 
and the real foods are strange. You know, mm-hmm. like kids come over to my house and see avocados and green olives and even some cheeses. And they're like mm-hmm. pistachios, macadamia nuts. They're like, what are those? That's <laughs> weird food. It's like, no, it's food. Yeah. <laughs> like, what? you are having at school lunch is not food. Right. Um, so it's like, we have so much working against us, but when we can change our perception as, okay, what is normal eating is normal eating foods that we are meant to eat. Yeah. Um, you know, we can, we can start some healing there. Um, yeah. and it, and it takes us a long way, but I think everybody's perception is a little bit different based on, you know, how you grew up, how your family ate, what your friends are eating. And, you know, we live in different areas. So what's considered normal and common in the Midwest is probably different than where you you're what Southeast, right? I'm in uh, Virginia beach. So East coast. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. You know, probably just even a little different there, but mm-hmm. it's like, you feel like you're fighting an uphill battle a lot of times with, with what's perceived as normal. So, yeah. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, I have two, two veins of thought that I want to make sure that we hit on. One of them is this idea of eating normal means eating without any restriction, but I want to circle back to that and, and, and focus on what you're talking about too, which is normal and common are two different things, right? So what we're talking about right now, what most people say when they want to eat normally is they want to eat the common foods that everybody else is eating. So what's popular to eat or what's common to eat in this culture is what most people are referring to when they say that they want to be able to eat normal. And I actually, I have a pretty um, new client and I was planning on talking with you about this long before I even started with this client, but this just goes to show how often this comes up. It literally comes up for me constantly with clients. Um, And it comes up when clients are talking about changing lifestyles as a family and thinking about their kids and changing how their kids are going to eat. And it's almost like they think that they're doing a disservice to their kids. Right. To um, not let them eat normal foods. Right. They feel like they're going to, they're worried that they're going to give their kids some type of hangups or that there's going to be some bullying or something like that. So in particular, this new client, um, her child has some specific health challenges and they're working with a, um, a holistic practitioner who I'm like, this is fantastic. Like this practice, they're like, they've got it coming from all sides by working with me on the mindset and everything. And then this Um, holistic practitioner is explaining to them, um, okay, if your child continues to eat this way, this is what's happening in the brain. This is what's happening in the body. It's literally irritating all of this stuff. Um, Sugar is lighting up the same um, chemical pathways uh, from a dopamine response as like cocaine, right? Right. Yes. Yes. And so, I mean, this, these are facts, right? Mm -hmm. We've seen this to be true with neuroscience. And so here's my client going through this experience. And it's such a beautiful thing because, and I know that you resonate with this as well, because I've heard your story about, you know, moving heaven and earth to try to get help for your child who is undergoing health challenges. There is nothing more powerfully motivating than a love of a mother for the child. Yeah. And so it's just so aligned that she started working with me. And then all of a sudden she's going to see this holistic practitioner regarding her child and child's way of eating. And everything is coming together with, with perfect synergy because honestly, her motivation was waning a little bit for herself. Like just as she was doubting, like, oh, this is too hard. Does this even really matter? Blah, blah, blah. All of a sudden, okay, well now it's like my child has to eat this way to live an optimal life. I will do anything for my child, right? Why wouldn't I do the same thing for myself? So she's going to benefit from 
doing the actions, changing the health and nutrition for her child, right? Um, where am I going with this? She says her and her husband immediately after this doctor's appointment, they go to the mall, they start walking around, they're talking. Um, and both of them are feeling like, but they don't want their child to not live a normal life. And this is like a big hang up. Like they want them to be able to eat birthday cake. They want them to be able to eat the school snack at the school parties and yada, yada, yada. And you feel like you're almost like cheating them out of some really valuable experience or that they'll be like the weird kid or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so, but I was able to talk with her and kind of discuss the difference between like, okay, are we talking about eating normally or are we talking about eating commonly? right now we're talking about eating commonly, you know, obviously everything that you just said is right on. This is not real food. Processed foods are not real food. All of the sugar is not real food. Normal is how humans have eaten throughout the history of human existence, except for probably the last what 70 years, years. 50 years. Yeah. That was normal. This is not normal, but this is common. And so I just challenged her a little bit. I was like, whenever you have the thought, I want my son to be able to live a normal life, replace that with, I want my son to be able to live a common life. How's that feel? Yep. That's not what you want. Right. No. And you don't even, it's not even about living a normal life. You want him to live a thriving life. Mm-hmm. You want him to live the life to the fullest potential that he can possibly live. And here's this doctor telling you that if you just shift your food a little bit, like it will like not only, um, you know, heal what's going on right now, but give him a chance in the long run at living a completely normal life in all other capacities. If we just don't eat normally, which really means don't eat commonly. Right. Um, Yeah. It's, it's incredible. Yeah. And so you're right on about, you know, this isn't, this isn't normal. These are not normal foods. These are just common foods. But then the other one that you mentioned, and I've had clients say this to me as well. When I say, what does it mean to eat normally? And basically they just say, it means to eat without restriction. Mm -hmm. Like I can just eat whatever, because that's what everybody else can eat. So like to have any restrictions feels like it's not normal. Um, so and I also noticed like with the intuitive eating movement, which is pretty big. Um, and actually I'm a fan of intuitive eating, but I feel like I can't practice intuitive eating when my system is hijacked. Like my blood sugar is hijacked, you know, processed foods are hijacking my brain. Exactly. I'm not in touch with my intuition. I'm uh, addiction is speaking, um, inside of my brain, not my intuition. Um, what do you make of this whole, like, you know, because there's like this big movement of now of like, you don't have to eliminate any food groups. Um, you know, there are no good and bad foods, everything in moderation. You know, I'm sure you probably hear this a lot with your clients too, right? But that's, that's what it is to be normal. Mm-hmm. It's really tough. This is probably the toughest topic that I face as a practitioner, um, who with people who have either a seen other dietitians or other health professionals, or, you know, they just grown up with that messaging of you can eat everything in moderation, listen to your body. And I see, you know, there's certain practitioners who I see every single day, influencers, you know, passing this message. And, uh, that's, that's their main promotion, um, as to the, how to eat. Um, but I do just want to say real quick about what we were just talking about too. I, it, it, I feel so frustrated for parents who want to do good and well for their kids and want healthy kids. Like you look around and there are more overweight kids than not. And no parent sets out for their kid to be ill. No parent wants them wheezing 
with asthma and mm-hmm. not being able to run down the basketball court a couple of times without being out of breath. Nobody wants that for their kid, yeah. but our food system has set us up to fail. Mm-hmm. And it's like the messaging we get as parents, the nutrition messaging is very inaccurate. So they think they're doing well and yet their kids are getting sicker. So it's, it's so frustrating. <laughs> um, but like yes. you said, if we can even just change the whole mindset of parents and they model it for their kids, it does come around. My kids are 18, 16, and 13. My 18 year old who has gone to college now she knows like it's, it's in her head. Like I eat whole real foods. This is how I feel. I Mm -hmm. don't eat whole real foods. This is how I feel. It's like A equals B and you figure it out and you hope, you know, if you've done your job as a parent, I shouldn't even say that because people, kids, you know, it's like once they leave, they're out of your control. Um, but you just hope that you've taught them when they're under your care, but if you don't have the correct messaging to begin with, it's very frustrating. (laughs) Um, but going back to the intuitive eating, and the eating everything in moderation, food companies love the message of eating mm-hmm. everything in moderation. And, of, mm-hmm. and um, sadly, the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics is sponsored by huge corporations, Coca-Cola. Um, I mean, there's just all of these companies who want dietitians and health professionals and nutritionists to be spewing this message, all foods in moderation, everything can fit not for everybody. (laughs) Like if you want to get well, and if you want to recover, you can't eat everything in moderation. A lot of times, if your goal is to recover and heal your hormones, then you have to do what it takes to heal the hormones. Um, so it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm the same. I'm with you. I would love to be able to tell everybody to eat intuitively. You want some chocolate chip cookies? have 10, you know, that's gonna, if that's gonna make you feel better, if that's gonna set you up to not binge later, have 10 cookies, but it doesn't work that way for almost anybody. Um, so healing the underlying hormonal issues, healing the insulin resistance, balancing the blood sugars, you know, then you can listen to your intuition. And if you have a balanced body, balanced blood sugar, balanced hormones, you're, your brain is not screaming at you to eat 10 chocolate chip cookies. I mean, mm-hmm. you just, you can maybe eat a bite of something sugary and be like, Oh, wow. Wow. Like that's good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but it, it's just, it's, it's tough. So I am all for intuitive eating. If you have healthy blood sugar and yeah. hormones, but nine out of 10 people don't. And so right. to spread that messaging is just doing them a disservice because it's just going to make them sicker in the long run mm-hmm. until they get their hormones under control. Yeah. Yeah. It's That's true. my thoughts on that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting because we think that it's normal to be able to eat without restriction. First of all, I don't really like using the word restriction with my clients. I like to encourage them to use the word boundaries. And so we all have boundaries around what foods we eat. Even your friend that eats everything actually has some boundaries around what she will eat. Are we eating wood? Are we eating paper? Are we eating poop? You know, are we eating cyanide? Like, no, we're not. We are determining that some things are not actually considered food. So we probably shouldn't eat them. Right. (laughs) And some things are poisonous. So we probably shouldn't eat them. And this has been true throughout the history of human existence. We just don't tend to think about it right? Like look at like all of the major world religions, they have dietary laws. Like there's a reason for that. It's because they realized, you know, and they assigned the meaning to God says this, but they realized like, 
okay, we probably shouldn't eat shellfish. I don't know there, we didn't have like the ability to clean foods like we did back then. Like we're not gonna eat pork because pork is considered an unclean animal that rolls around in its own poop or whatever. Like, you know, there were reasons that it was actually unhealthy at that time and, and uh, culture to not eat those foods. And so you can connect some of these like religious dietary laws to actually having some health validity behind them, whether you still practice them today or not. It's just an example that throughout the course of human history, people have practiced boundaries with food. This is not new. It's not like everybody just always ate whatever they wanted. I mean, literally like the story of Genesis opens up with like, God created this whole garden. Don't eat these though, you know? So like literally food boundaries have existed from the beginning of time, whether you believe that to be literally true or not, right? And then like, you know, just think about like hunter gatherers foraging in the forest. Like sure, they passed it down through oral tradition, but it's like, no, no, don't eat those kind of mushrooms. Those are poisonous. Don't eat these kind of berries. These are poisonous. And so you're not gonna eat things that you know are bad for you, even though they look really good. We've been practicing that as a human race forever and ever. Um, So if we take a second to actually examine, wait, is that true? That to eat without restriction is normal or healthy? No, that's actually not true. And it, 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 it's not even, it hasn't even been true in the past. Like we might think so. Of course, now, like you walk into the grocery store, you have so many more options for non-food things that people are encouraging you to eat as food or things that are actually harmful or even poisonous to your body um, that we're just normalizing as food today. Yes, certainly it's much more prevalent, but it has always existed throughout the course of human history that we practice boundaries with food for a reason. Right. And our food's been manipulated Mm -hmm. so much in the last 50 years where it's like, hundred years ago, people didn't have to deal with the manipulation in the food with the sugar, the salt, and, um, the oils that get you to the bliss point, you know, Mm -hmm. that bliss point where foods are designed to be addictive. And then, yeah, we just, we think there's something wrong with us because we can't stop eating when they're designed that way. So we've got, we've got a lot of things working against us, both physically and mentally and our food system. (laughs) Um, but yeah, it's, and another thing I wanted to say is a lot of people that you think look healthy, like you might look at somebody and say, wow, she's really looks really healthy. I wish I could be like her, or I wish I had a body like her or where they're dealing with their own health struggles that you have no idea about. I have gotten so many clients who I think like, oh, that this lady's been a runner for 40 years and Mm -hmm. she's actually kind of underweight. And it's like, I meet with her and she's got gastrointestinal problems that you won't believe bloating every day, poops once a week, um, you know, feels terrible. She's limited to eating five foods, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's like the perception is you look at a person who's passing by and think, Oh, if I could just be thin, like her, where really she is struggling with her own health issues inside. Um, I know you wanted to talk a little bit about people metabolically who Mm -hmm. look like they're healthy and they're not, they're the skinny fat person who is really metabolically unstable. So yeah, I know you wanted to speak to that a little bit. Yeah, you did a good job bringing that up. And and I also wanted to add to that. So like, yeah, if you, if the belief is, um, why can't I just eat normal and be skinny like everyone else? Okay. So then you have this like examples that your mind is giving you. No, I, I literally have a bunch of friends and they all eat whatever they want. 
and they're all skinny and it's so unfair. Like they're all eating pizza and Chinese and burgers with the buns and tacos and, you know, yada, 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 absolutely everything, high carb, not caring about anything, drinking all the alcohol and they're skinnier than me. And it's just not fair. Like I'm the one who's broken. I'm the one who screwed up. You know, I grew up with a twin sister who was tall and skinny and I was short and fat and people would say it to my face, right? I did not understand how are we eating the same food, the same Dunkaroos, the same Taco Bell, you know, but my body's responding to it completely differently. So yeah, people, um, you know, underneath the surface, just because their body is a normal size or what a size that you deem to be something that you wish that you were, it doesn't mean that they're actually healthy metabolically. And if you follow that person for 10, 20, 30 years down the road, like it does catch up. Um, you know, my sister struggles with her weight now and I'm a normal weight. So like the the roles have completely flipped and it's because, you know, eight years ago at this point, I, I completely changed the way that I was eating. And every time, you know, she does, you know, of course she drops weight like crazy. Some it's, it's hard, right. To, to stick with something, um, long-term, but it's interesting because at first everybody thought that I was completely nuts and just thought that I was doing another fad diet or whatever, but little by little results don't lie. People come to me and ask me questions for advice and for recipes and all of those things. Um, but yeah, so things can be uh, lurking beneath the surface you're right. It doesn't mean that people physically feel well just because they're in a smaller body than you. Also mentally, it doesn't mean that they're well at all. Like we're talking on the topic of like disordered eating, like the most important thing to me about my transformation was not the 50 pounds that I lost, but the food freedom that I gained because my thoughts are completely freed up. I was never present. I was always obsessed with, with um, calculating every calorie that was going into my body it was horrible. I missed out on so much of my life because I was so focused. Imagine what I could have done. You know, like I, I, it's so sad. And I grieve for that younger version of me who lost out on so much because I was taught to count calories at 10 years old, because I was taught that there was something wrong with me. And that the only way to have any hope of a normal life is to just, you know, be obsessive about this forever and ever. Right. And so yeah, your skinny friends probably don't feel food freedom. You know, they might be feeling self-judgment and they might be feeling bloated and you don't even realize that they could be beating themselves up every single day. They could be struggling with disordered eating and you don't even know it. And you're just so jealous of their life. I talk to my clients who are losing weight and they're gaining that food freedom and they're feeling so much better in their bodies. Their inflammation is going down. They're not obsessing in their thoughts. They're not judging themselves every day as a failure. And there might be a friend that's still in a smaller body than you who is in mental anguish and severe physical discomfort every day in a smaller body than you. And you're in a larger body, but you have so much more benefits and food freedom and health. If you look at it in a holistic way than they do. And over time, the weight is going to continue to drop off. And yes, you'll get into a smaller body, but what's more important, you know, when you think about that, I'd rather have the food freedom. I'd rather have less pain in my body and know that it's literally just the only um, factor here is time and it's coming, you know? Yeah. And I would say more females than not have Mm -hmm. those thoughts, those obsessive thoughts and males too. But I just as females, like I had those thoughts since, I mean, going back to high school, it's just been the last three years, I would say. And I'm like you, where I don't think about food Yeah, it's like, I'm really hungry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and even then, like, sometimes like I could take food or leave it. Like that was not me, a, yeah. like even three or four years ago, like I was eating from the time I got up in the morning, thinking about how many snacks I'd need to take on the road. If I was going on errands or whatever, when I could, I be back to make sure I could eat my lunch, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, and it was obsessive. And you would look at me and never think that I'm, 
thinking that all day. Um, my, my weight was managed, but then I did have years where my weight wasn't managed. And that was like all you thought about, like, yeah. Oh, I don't, I don't want to wear this because it's tight or, yeah. you know, and, and you just felt terrible. And I think, you know, kids are dealing with this even more so than you think, but I get this feedback from my kids all the time too. My kids are all thin and in mm-hmm. healthy weights, but I still get the, the flack from them all the time. When I say, you know, I'm not buying bread, we're going to, mm-hmm. you know, there's substitutions that we can make. And, um, just, just a little side note, a couple of nights ago, we were, um, staying at somebody else's house and my son found a pack of ramens and he's like, mm-hmm. yes, I'm eating these while I'm here. I've never had them before. I'm like, no, you are not. And he wanted to eat them at like nine o'clock. I'm like, sorry, mm-hmm. like you're still under my care you're not doing that, like, yeah. especially not at nine o'clock. And he'll be like, well, so-and-so brings those every single day, two packs of those every single day for lunch. Wow. And I'm like, so-and-so is not healthy. And, and this child is already unhealthy, but a lot yeah. of them are like, well, so-and-so does this, but he's thin, he's yeah. healthy or she's thin or she's healthy. And just like you said, I, I say this to them all the time. You'll catch up with them someday. Yeah. You'll be thanking me someday. Like yeah. I, my best interest to feed you how I want to feed you while you are in my care. And I'm trying to protect you. I'm your mother. <laughs> like, yeah, I know a lot about nutrition, probably more than I want to know. Sometimes yeah. it's like, I, sometimes I wish I didn't know as much as I did, but same thing. And it's, Mm-hmm. You do. You just want to say, okay, in 30 years and they can't see 30, they can't see 30 days in front of them, let alone 30 years. So it, yeah. it, it's tough with kids. So, you know, my heart goes out to all you parents trying <laughs> to, yeah. to make healthy foods, normal and mm-hmm. common foods, not normal. It's, it's yeah. really tough. So in closing, is there anything else that you wanted to cover with the mindset, I know you wanted to talk about your class a little bit more, but anything else that you wanted to, to kind of discuss before we close out? Yeah, just kind of probably to wrap it up, just as a reminder, you know, you're not your thoughts. You're the compassionate, wise observer of your thoughts. Learn to um, separate yourself from your thoughts. The very first thing that you can do is when you have a thought that is like a negative or critical thought like that, um, just instead of saying, um, I'll always be fat, just put three words in front of it. Is it three words? I'm having the thought that. So four words, just put, I'm having the thought that I'll always be fat. And that's the first step to start to distance yourself from your thoughts or to remind yourself, I'm not my thoughts. I'm the compassionate wise observer of my thoughts. So that's just step number one is just to gain some self-awareness. If you feel like you don't even have the energy or whatever to start questioning any of these things to go through those four questions, just this week, just start practicing. I'm having the thought that. And then when you feel ready to start challenging your thoughts, okay, good. You know, like I'm not my thoughts. I don't have to believe every thought that pops into my head. Like then you can actually start to question yourself, go through those four questions. Is it true? Can I absolutely know that it's true? How do I think, feel, and behave when I believe it to be true? Who would I be without that belief? And then try a turnaround statement. What's the opposite of that? So, you know, for the one that we've been doing, like, you know, why can everybody else just eat normal and be skinny? Is that true? Absolutely not. One, one out of every three people is obese. Another one out of every three people is overweight. So two thirds of people are overweight. You, you have a one out of three shot of being at a healthy weight in today's, you know, normal like culture, right? Of course it's not true. So we're going to start to challenge those things. And, you know, eventually we're going to realize, okay, this, this belief isn't helping me. It's harming me. Can I release this belief? What would be a turnaround statement? 
I do eat normally, or I eat foods that bless my body, right? For, for yours, you know, some of your examples, like my, my body's fighting me. No, my body is serving me. My body um, loves me. My body loves me back, you know, or I eat foods that love me back. Like you can start to just practice affirmations and then you're going to rehearse those over and over again. So I have a class this month that is actually all about overcoming self-sabotage by rewiring our beliefs because self-sabotage quite simply is just when your behavior comes back into line with your beliefs, but beliefs that are not helpful to you, beliefs that are actually harmful to you. So it happens to the best of us. We can try to operate outside of our beliefs, but eventually we always come back into line with our beliefs. Um, so if you want to learn more about that, I have a whole class this month on how to work through that. If this, if these beliefs are not resonating with you, the class helps you actually nail down what is my belief though? What's the one that's actually causing me to self-sabotage and how can I work through them? So if anybody's interested in learning more about that class, you can go over to bit.ly slash self-care keto class. And hopefully we can put the link there in the show notes as well. Absolutely. We'll put the yeah. link for that class in the show notes. When is that something that you have a concrete date that it goes? No, it's a pre-recorded class. Okay. So when you when you buy it, you get access to it to watch it whenever is convenient for you. You'll have access to it forever. It comes with a recorded video. It's got worksheets that you can print off a fresh worksheet every single time you encounter a new belief. You can you know bust out your journal or print off a new worksheet and work that through. Excellent. We'll make sure to link that. Where else can we find you if we want to find out more about you? Yeah, I am at the Keto Fit on Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn as well. And I actually have a podcast as well. It's called Self-Care Keto. So you can find that wherever you listen to podcasts. Awesome. We'll put all your links in the show notes. And this conversation was really interesting, really enlightening. Like you said before, I think we complement each other very well. I do more of the nutrition education, the, the physical part, um, you know, healing the hormones and then the mindset work. You're so excellent at that. So it's great to have you on as a guest. Thank you for all the work that you do. Hopefully lots of people will come your way if they're needing some mindset work. Thank and you. yeah, thanks so much for your time. And we might even bring you back for a third time. Thank you too. I would love that. All right. <laughs> Have a great day, Jess. You too.